This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. I'm Emily Fox, and we continue our series Behind the Console, highlighting women and non-binary audio engineers. Today, we meet two monitor engineers. The first is a veteran in the field who has toured with some major bands and started an organization to mentor women in audio, all while being a single mom with twins. My name is Carrie Kyes. I am a live sound engineer. I only do monitors. Monitor engineers mix the audio that the band is hearing while they're playing live. My first big touring client was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, and I worked for them from 1990-ish through 2000-ish. I've worked with Sonic Youth. Are you going to liberate us girls from male white corporate oppression? Because of the social distortion. And for the last 30 plus years, my main client artist that I work with is Pearl Jam. She's been doing this work for more than 30 years. She got into audio when she was 17. She even lived in a warehouse without warm water for two years with some people in a sound company she was working for. So, yeah, we lived in our warehouse. There was four of us. Lived there illegally. Kept a low profile. Um, yeah, had no hot water. It was, it was a fun time. <laughs> when I think about a monitor engineer, I just think how much pressure that job is. Like, I feel like for monitor engineers, like I've gone to so many shows where like halfway through someone's set, they'll like call out the monitor engineer and be like, I need more, I need more vocals or I need more guitar, you know, or sometimes like I've straight up seen bands get mad at their monitor engineers because they're not getting what they're getting. And then, you know, I've also heard so many female artists feel like they've gotten pushback from audio engineers. And then I try to think about the other side of the equation. Like, what if you are a female audio engineer and getting all this pushback of what the needs are on stage? And so I'm just curious, like, do you see your job as having a lot of pressure? And also, do you feel like there's this added element of pressure being a woman in this field, specifically doing monitor engineering? Yes and no. Yeah, first of all, you know, monitor engineer position on any show or tour, you know, they typically call it the hot seat. It is a very emotional and volatile position to be working. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of the obstacles are things out of your control. So there's there's no way... I, have the ability to control the acoustics of a room. That's what it is. And so that's usually the first battle any day. And then there's no way for me to know what is happening in six, seven, eight people's lives at that point in time for sound check and the show. You know, there's a lot of um, emotional stuff that comes up with stress of performing and if there's other issues going on in their lives they kind of all can bubble up and intersect and sometimes become not a great situation as far as pushback for being a woman yes i've i've dealt with it for the most part 
people are usually more surprised and then they go with it versus going, you, what, we have a woman doing this, you know, over the years. It, and it changes in different genres of music also. So when I was doing a lot of one-off shows and not working for artists as much, you know, we did a lot of metal shows and they weren't as friendly towards me. And some of that was being a woman and some of that was because I was 18, 19, 20. And I probably, you know, I looked like I was 12. So, (laughs) so there was the, you know, the age and being a woman. You know, you co-founded an organization called Sound Girls that supports and mentors women in professional audio. Talk about why you felt it was so necessary for this organization to be in the music industry. We were basically tired of, after 25 plus years of working, of still hearing, I've never seen a woman do this. I don't know any other women engineers. Do you know any other women engineers? And we kind of just felt like that there was more than five of us or six of us or who, you know, how many of us that they found to put on a panel. We were like a circus show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that was the initial intention of like, let's just find the women. And if we build something, you know, it's kind of like field of dreams. If we build it, they'll come and we'll find them. <laughs> so that that is how we started. And then, you know, being very tied to it and grassroots, um, we're able to adapt and really provide our membership with workshops or help or advice, um, education that they need. I'm curious, like throughout your career, just the, the, the folks that you've worked with through Sound Girls, on your website, you even point out that women only make up 5% of the professional workforce in audio and music production. I'm curious if if you, based on your experience, and again, those you've worked with the Sound Girls, do you feel like there are still quite a few gender inequities in play within the world of, of audio engineering? Yeah, I mean, uh, the inequities are the same as in any profession and any profession that is male-dominated. Women and gender non-conforming people have a harder time, and people of color just have a harder time even getting their foot in the door. You know, we've had people get in touch with us of like, I changed my name to a white sounding name just so people read my resume. Mm. Same with women. They're like, I have a neutral sounding name or I'm going by an initial just so that their resumes don't get tossed immediately, which that's super unfortunate. (laughs) And then, you know, touring, we still, there's still a lot of, you know, the rock and roll mentality of like, don't want women on the bus, women are going to cause drama. And, you know, and it goes all the way down to smaller productions of like, well, we can't bring a woman on tour because we can't give her her own room, which I've shared plenty of rooms with men throughout my career. It's never been an issue. And I've toured with mainly men all my life. And I'm usually, or the women on the crew are usually the last people to be causing drama. So, like, 
you know, there's just weird stereotypes that people still still come up in hiring and they just won't consider it. So um, mm. it's slowly changing. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that it changes faster. Um, and I'm hoping at some point we will not need to have an organization like Soundgirls. So... Do you feel like the numbers are getting better? Like, you know, 30 years ago when you were doing audio engineer, do you feel like you're seeing more women or non-binary folks doing audio engineering? I do. And I think it is getting better. It's kind of hard to tell how much better or if it's the same, just because now we're dealing with mainly women. So we see them all the time. Whereas before we started sound girls it was oh cool i ran into another woman that does this um but you know i would say i see women on live crews in all positions now where 10 years ago i didn't so i'm hoping that keeps increasing and i know a lot of last year a lot of people during pandemic um, which we're still in and after the murder of George Floyd a lot of people made promises that they were going to diversify their crews and we're starting to see some of that but I'm hoping that it keeps going. Here on uh, my show, Sound and Vision on KEXP, we've been doing this mini-series where we've been talking to parents who are juggling their art. A lot of them are musicians. Um, And I saw that you are also a mother yourself uh, and on tour. And it's something that we've been talking to a lot of artists about. But I'm curious, from an audio engineer perspective, how were you able to juggle being a mom and touring? And do you feel like that experience is different from being like a dad and being an audio engineer? Yes and no. I think, first of all, being a parent and you're touring is hard for everybody, whether you're the dad or the mom. It's just hard to be away from your kids. But women do face kind of a double standard in the fact that no one would ever ask the rigor or say to the rigor that happens to be a man, who's watching your kids? but they don't have any issues saying that to any of the women that are on tour. So there's that. Um, and that's, that's super irritating. Um, Cause every, each person should be able to make decisions that work for them. As far as doing it, I, I don't know. I somehow survived it. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a lot of work. And you had twins, too. I had (laughs) twins, and I was a single mom. So their dad was very, is very, is a great dad and is very involved in their lives. So um, we we just made it work the best that we could. And then I valued, you know, I also made career decisions that worked for me. I don't know if I didn't have the girls, I don't know if I would have stayed with Pearl Jam all this time but it was a it was a touring situation that allowed me to still do what I loved but we weren't doing 18 month crazy world tours which that's when I left the chili peppers because I was like I know I can't do this I'm not going out for 18 months 
And they were like, well, we'll get you a nanny. And I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't want a nanny and kids and having to do five different jobs on tour. <laughs> I think everybody makes the decisions based on their personal, you know, their personal lives and try to find a balance that works. And it's a, it's a little bit tougher to speak, you know, touring wise, you've got to, you're making a commitment that you're going to be gone for six weeks or eight weeks and you're going to miss some birthdays and you're going to miss some softball games. But the positive thing is when I was home, I was home 24 seven and the girls also got to come on tour with us. You know, we did a, a tour in Australia and I just, I pulled them out of school and we went for six weeks and most kids don't get to go to Australia for six weeks. It has its pros and cons, but I will say it takes a village. That was monitor engineer Carrie Kyes. She spent this fall on tour with Pearl Jam. You can check out her organization, Soundgirls, at soundgirls.org. There you can check out profiles of other women and non-binary audio engineers. Which brings me to my next guest, who has also done some mentoring with Soundgirls. I am Christina Moon, and I am a touring monitor engineer. Over my career, I have worked with Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. LCD Sound System, Interpol, Death Cab for Cutie, currently Slater Kenny, Cat Power. Yeah, I've been really lucky with who I get to work with. Do, do you feel like it's pretty rare? Like right now when you're looking around, is it still fairly rare to see women audio engineers? No, no. It's actually becoming quite common, which is great. For the longest time, if I, you know, any festival, major festival around the world, I would walk on that stage and I would be the only woman. And now, you know, I was looking up for our line check the other day, you know, getting ready for sound check with the band. And Slater Kenny has always really made a point of hiring diversity. And I think in the genre of music I work into, a lot of artists are very pro-diversity. So, but now I look up and I am working with a trans man, another female guitar tech, and another non-binary tech on my side of the stage. And I was just, wow, there's not one man up here doing this right now. We've got a lot of lovely men on the tour, don't get me wrong, and they're amazing. But just to have a stage that is run that way is a first for me. And it was really special to realize that. Do you feel like gender inequities are still at play in this field or you feel like... Of course. Yeah. And how yeah. have you seen that play out in your career, you know, through the time that you've been doing this? Like, how have you seen gender inequities play out in this job? There's, you know, doing a loadout in Pittsburgh and a couple of the men on that particular, you know, local crew went up to my stage manager and were like, hey, we don't work well with women, so don't put us with her. Mm -hmm. And he just said, okay, you know, you can go work with this person over here. And once I found that out, I was, you know, a little pissed off, actually. <laughs> and yeah. just, you know, hey, no, that is just making it okay and that you're in agreement 
with that, yeah, you know, it can be hard to work with women. And it's like, no, you send them to me and either, you know, because oftentimes how I dealt with that pushback from men coming up was just to do the best job and to prove them wrong. And by the end of the day, like, hey, you did a good job for a woman, mm. you know, but I'm hoping at this point in my career, I'm not just known as a good female engineer. I'm known as a good engineer. You know, I think too about monitor engineers, and I was talking uh, about this with with Carrie Kyes about, you know, just being what she calls mo- being a monitor engineer, you're in the hot seat, you know, like the band, you, you are delivering the sound that the band hears during their performance, you know, in their ears. Um, so they can hear, you know, I, I need to be able to hear my vocals or my guitar, for example, more than, you know, whatever else it may be. And you know, as as I've mentioned before, like I've I've seen bands get frustrated with their monitor engineers, like in the middle of a, a set. And I'm just curious, like for you, how has being in the quote unquote hot seat played out in your career? Yeah, it, it can definitely be that way. You know, the stage is a very emotional place, which is what makes life's life shows so special. You know, but being the monitor engineer means that you're the closest person to that artist in a really vulnerable place. And so that means a lot of emotions are getting directed your way, whether it's something you can do something about or not. You know, sometimes it's the fact that there is a not-so-enthusiastic fan in front of them bumming them out, or the weather, which obviously those are things I cannot change. And... uh so, for instance, on LCD sound system, you know, I would have a little cue for James to let him know that he was spiraling a little bit, you know, at times, like, you're fine, you just do the show, which was, I would have a glass of Jameson with me at that I would have orange tape over the top and write break in case of emergency. And I showed him this and, you know, at first he was very, you know, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just save this. And so it took a couple shows because I probably made him a little more aware of it. But um, I finally held up the glass to him one day and he looked at me like, no, that's not what's happening. I'm like, no, your feelings are real. It's just what I can do about them is none. So I would just start peeling back the tape and he would finally just turn around and start playing the show and have a, we'd just laugh and have a drink together. <laughs> Wait, so so you just had like a dedicated glass that like yes. you would need to take a few sips when when you were doing monitor engineers for LD, LCD sound system? It was just when it got to a point in the show where, you know, it, they just, it, he would think something was going wrong, but it, there really wasn't. It was because, you know, who knows what happens before they walk on stage or, you know, it was just a way of showing him that, hey, you're fine you need to go play the show and stop asking for more levels up and down. And I'm just going to have a sip off my Jameson while you work yourself out. that the process working with LCD sound system is really involved. Like you are involved before live shows are even happening. Can you talk about that process? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's very different than any other band I've worked with just because usually a tour gets booked and you go into rehearsals for a few days, if you're lucky a week and get ready to go. Whereas with LCD sound system, 
I'm called to New York very early on before the record's even done. Um, you know, usually vocals or lyrics haven't even, even been written sometimes. And also the other band members to be, because what will be in his studio is not necessarily what can come out on tour. So we all need to figure out how we're going to make these songs live because everything needs to be analog and they're making their own, you know, synths and whatnot. So oftentimes I will be in New York, I'll get an apartment and I'll be there for three months before we're ready to have, you know, a set ready to hit the road with. I'm curious, what do you like most or what do you love most about the work that you do? I do love, for better or for worse, that closeness with the artist and being able, being part of making them have a better show is really special. Like, I think that's what kept me doing monitors and not moving to front of house was the first time I saw someone play differently because I finally figured out what makes them tick because monitors isn't really about necessarily what sounds good or bad. It's whatever gets that the best out of that person. So I really love that side of the job. And then obviously like being back in front of audiences again is so amazing. Like after doing it for so long, you know, you just kind of forgot like, Oh, this is why we do this. And, you know, do these long days is for the specialness of that moment with the band and the audience and all of us together. That was monitor engineer Christina Moon, who just wrapped up a tour with Slater Kinney. Christina started her career in Seattle. She first started doing audio at some recording studios in town, as well as did live sound at the Central Saloon. It's at the Central that she got hooked up to do her first touring gig with the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And speaking of getting started in Seattle, the final episode of Behind the Console featured two engineers that started their career in the city. That includes Alice Wilder, who has gone on to do front of house sound for MIA, Third Eye Blind, Big Thief, Sleigh Bells, and more. Being behind, you know, just like manning this console with all these knobs <laughs> and, and buttons on it. It just, it's fun. That's next time on Behind the Console. All right, so before we go, I wanted to remind you to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks to the last person who wrote a review on Apple Podcast who called this show focused and concise, that it draws back the curtain on the reality of music, culture, and production. They just started listening to this Behind the Console series and went on to say, these interviews and the care in which they are gathered is such a consistent delight. Thanks so much for that feedback. It means a lot and really helps spread the word that this show is out there. So if you haven't subscribed to, rated, or reviewed this show, be next on the list. Or you can share an episode that you really loved with a friend. All of those little things really go a long way. You can also go the extra mile to support the show by giving a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org sound. Thanks so much for listening.